Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restored All podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, and I have with me my floor laminate water damage consultant, Prasanna Maliandi. How's it going, Prasanna? Oh, no. What got water damage? I didn't know I was a water damage <laughs> expert now. Oh, no. What happened, you're, you're Curtis? Call out to. You, you, you're all I have. You're all I have. <laughs> Uh, no. So, you know, as you may know, you know, obviously I, you know, I've continued on with the project. I finished putting the, the, um, the luxury vinyl planks there in the kitchen. And apparently there was a little water incident while I was gone. Uh, my son-in-law, uh, is telling me there's water underneath the brand Dishwasher? new laid down panels. Um, so I, I don't, I actually don't know what I'm going home to. I'm a little, do you think, is it like in the spot of the dishwasher back down again? What's that? Is it by the dishwasher? By the fridge? Yeah. Yeah. It's by the dishwasher. Yeah. And we shut off the, we shut up the water and stuff, but he says that he feels water. Like he can feel water further down panels. I don't know. I don't know if he, I don't know Uh. if he knows what he's talking about, but I hope he doesn't know what he's talking about because otherwise I got (laughs) to. pull up the all the flooring and then let everything dry and then put everything back down but everything's oh. all cut so it's not you know yeah i just gotta like keep it all in a row or whatever but <sighs> not the news you were hoping for i, want, I wanted the kitchen to be done right i, I finished the kitchen <laughs> and then i went on this little trip which by the way for those of you watching well for those of you listening i probably sound a little bit different i don't have my usual mic and those of you watching uh i look this is just a lame camera angle. This is, you know, standard laptop on a desk. This is not what anybody wants to see. You looking up my nostrils, but it is what it is. I need to uh, mention our standard disclaimer that Prasanna and I work for different companies. I work for Druva. He works for Zoom. And uh, this is not an official podcast of either company. The opinions that you hear are all ours. And uh, be sure to... Uh, to um, uh, to rate us at uh, your favorite podcatcher. Give us all the stars. Give us the comments. We love the comments. And we love even more to have a comment from you. Like, reach out to us. Uh, you can reach me at wcurtispresson at gmail or uh, at wcpresson on what is still Twitter. We'll see if Twitter is still around <laughs> wow. here in a few months. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. But, um and uh, if you'd like to join the conversation, just uh, reach out to me and we'll make that happen. Um, so we're just going to move forward with our guest today who, you know, I started out, I was on his podcast. I'm happy to bring him on ours. Uh, he's been in the risk management space for many years, which is a real, like a, it's like an adjunct space, I think, to, to ours. He's the founder and CEO of Global Risk Community. He's the host of the Risk Management Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Boris Agronovich. Thank you. Thank you, Prasanna and uh, Curtis, for inviting me to this uh, amazing podcast. You were actually, Curtis, uh, a few months back on my uh, podcast, The Risk Management Show, and it was yeah. a great, great experience. Uh, and our, our uh, kind of audience uh, uh, put a lot of... Uh, uh, views on your podcast uh, episode so <laughs> i am very well, happy I, I, first of all from my name and my accent probably you will know that i was uh, originally from uh, 
this part of the world where now uh, war is going on. So I was born in Ukraine now. I, I studied in Russia. Then I came to Israel. And now I live in the Netherlands. So <laughs> it's a little bit uh, mixed. Uh, and I studied uh, in IT space. And I uh, then I moved more to, to banking, banking uh, like uh, uh, insurance company, finance in, in bank, banks. And mm -hmm. I worked there on uh, kind of... Uh, um angle like uh, i put uh, it angle into risk management business and uh, because uh, it banks were kind of in 90s and uh, in beginning of uh, 2000 have to be to put some a lot of uh, it system to uh, upgrade uh, risk management so i right. was a kind of business analyst and then i became a risk manager so in 20, I think 2010, I became an independent consultant. And when I had some pause in my assignments and wanted to uh, kind of started to communicate with my peers uh, all over the world, but it was difficult uh, with current uh, tools. And the one best tool I found was LinkedIn, but it still kind of uh, provided a lot of noise. So I uh, decided create to create uh, a community for uh, like-minded people. So I created this globalriskcommunity.com, which I initially wanted to uh, uh, to create as a kind of front office of my uh, consultant business. But it kind of grew, grew, and now it has more than total, I think, hundred thousand people. So I I'm concentrated mostly uh, mainly on the growing of the site not on my consulting and risk management but i am on kind of uh, uh on the front on the on the front uh, page as we say on the front page of both website and events uh, what happening in community although i'm not in the uh, trenches as uh, in the past but i am more or kind of in conversation like uh, with you and other guys in the space so i can tell you a little bit more about uh, what's happening in our industry. Yeah, you know, before we talk about risk management, I, I'm just curious, you know, I'm I, I born and raised in, you know, the U.S., right? And here you pretty much need to speak one language, but you have lived in three different, very different languages, right? So you have, you have Russian, you have, uh, you know, uh, Hebrew, you have uh, Dutch, and you mentioned you speak, so you speak a little bit of each of those? Yeah, actually, uh, I speak Russian, even Ukrainian also, because I was born in Ukraine. So right. when I was uh, there, it kind of uh, uh, was considered kind of sub-language, but now because of Ukraine is growing, it is now kind of independent language. So you can mm -hmm, say, mm -hmm. now I'm proud that I, I can mention like Ukrainian <laughs> as my <laughs> a language additional, because before that it right. was kind of a, a subset of Russian language, but uh, okay. it's a separate word. I've been there for 25 years and I moved to Israel. I had to, to study some another language and uh, I studied and uh, I lived in Israel and worked in IT company. Then I moved uh, uh, to Europe, uh, to the Netherlands, uh, where I have to start uh, from my Israeli company. So I studied Dutch a little bit, but English was on background. So English remained a little bit on third, third language. 
but I still um, right. I like uh, more Latino, so I uh, I studied a little bit Spanish, also not uh, not perfectly, <laughs> but enough to to right. go to a vacation and uh, <laughs> not to be afraid of uh, strange things uh, happening to me. <laughs> so you you can you can converse in all those languages. Uh, yeah, yeah, on basic levels, yeah, I mean, on basic levels. I find that's I find that fascinating. That's just that's yeah. just absolutely amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's good for risk management. It's good for risk management. Also. I, I was going to say, with all the countries, <laughs> the dialects, right, or languages, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah. I think I told you, you know, that I mean, my my Russian is very small. Things like Privyet and Da Nyet and Dasvidanya and and Perestroika, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I have that, that phrase left big, over from Big crop uh, 30 years ago in Perestroika, but uh, in Russia it uh, kind of uh, degraded in yeah, uh, other directions. Yeah. <clears throat> and I believe in, in um, Ukrainian you say Privit, right? Uh, instead of Privit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it probably doesn't even register for you. You just sort of do yeah. it. No, I know, I know. I, now, because of this war, I listen to more Ukrainian news. So my Ukrainian uh, was is, uh, is kind of uh, <laughs> restoring in my, yeah. my, my, my mind. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Right, right. So I, I think one of the questions I had is I know when you, when I saw that, oh, you're focused on risk management. I was like, "What is risk management?" Right? <laughs> yeah, good question. I'm I'm not sure that I I can get get you give you all kind of uh, uh, academic uh, answer, but from my uh, my knowledge uh, as a uh, layman in layman terms, if you have your business, it's kind of you looking forward and to how much you earn, but you also need to uh, kind of be. Uh, person who knows what can be wrong in your business so you can uh, take action when it's when it need, when, it, when they are needed to uh, protect your uh, bottom line and also catastrophic events for example what can happen you can be financial you can be exposed to financial risk you can be exposed to operational risk you can be exposed to uh, uh, governance risk if you don't uh, do some procedures and uh, uh, some regulations, you can be exposed to cyber risk. And I believe there is now uh, also climate risk. So this kind of uh, risks you have to, uh, depending on the complexity of your business, you, you have to manage all these risks. And depending of, for example, if you're a bank, you probably will have different uh, risks inside financial risks for example banks have uh, credit risk they have uh, they have uh, uh, also a market risk if they uh, trade uh, different currency they have uh, within the credit risk they also have counterparty risk so it's kind of becoming very very complicated and uh, all these um, models and now with all these mathematical models and uh, and of uh, uh, AI and ML, ML, this is becoming very, uh, uh, very uh, strictly uh, 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 divided because some some guys only uh, specialized in model risk in counter model models uh, developing models in counterparty risk. Some guys are uh, specializing in developing. Uh, Credit risk. So this all all con uh, very contemplated. Yeah. Uh, 
that that phrase you use you said counterparty risk counterparty for example you now you have uh, this now uh, crisis with uh, crypto right uh, crypto uh, uh, exchange uh, FTX right yeah. and because they were a counterparty with other guys that probably didn't get uh, any wrong but all because they uh, probably uh, failed to deliver uh, uh, to pay on loans a lot of uh, uh, their counterparties exposed to counterparty risk uh, uh, from this FTX exchange. So they're not directly at risk, but because they were associated through some lineage, they're at risk now. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I'm just thinking though that, like, as a company owner, business owner, you're so focused on building the business, right? Who even thinks about all of these risks out there? Like Curtis, I know you had a business before, Boris. right? Boris thinks yeah. about it. Yeah, I know <laughs> Boris does, but Curtis, like you've been business owner before. Yeah. Have yeah. you thought about these things? <laughs> not certainly not in the way that, that Boris did. I mean, we we mainly thought about I don't know, I, I think I thought about Technology. Things that I felt I had some no, I felt some, things that I felt I had some control over, right? Um, and the, the risks mainly for me at the time were financial risks. Um, the there was the concern because we were such a small company. There was the concern. There was the competitive risk of of a you know a, a much larger competitor basically deciding to get into the same business that we were in. Um, but the thing is, I was such, I was such small potatoes that like considering them a risk was almost, it, it was like, <laughs> I just, you know what I mean? It's like, um, I don't know. It's hard to, hard to describe, yeah. but I, I don't think I thought about it certainly in the way that, that Boris thinks about it, I, you know, and of course I'm a backup guy. So I think about those risks. Ah, yeah, it's um, part of, uh, I think, cyber risk or IT risk, I think. And what yeah. you talk about, uh, 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 sorry, I might be, uh, interrupt you, uh, but what Fine. you said about it's business risk, what you say, what, you, what, what is related to competitors or your business, um, business plans or business uh, kind of uh, uh, product products, uh, we call it uh, business risk. We don't put it in the category for kind of finance, IT, cyber. Oh, okay. So it's kind of business risk that actually shouldn't be only uh, uh, processed by risk people. They should be kind of processed by uh, business people, but they have to be uh, supported by risk people. So they, if you produce, produce a new product, the product, for example, risk people have to look on it. Uh, what is it about? Uh, maybe some regulatory risk or credit risk or some some other risk involved. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And so, as a so, I, I'm assuming at a a company would have a risk manager, right? Would would each yeah. like I don't know how how large a company would be before they have a risk mm -hmm. manager like an employee versus a risk management consultant. It, it probably yeah. also depends on the industry. Like I could imagine a financial company, even if they're small, right, they probably have a risk function in there versus like a tech company may not do it until it's a certain size. Yeah, absolutely. I, because I was originally from banking in the insurance industry. So this is where 
uh, they have to uh, have a risk management, even department of risk management, where they all will do the, they develop all these models for this uh, different types of uh, risk, uh, and they have to kind of contact uh, regular with the regulators about all these new rules uh, like uh, SOX and others. But now uh, uh, I think many uh, other companies. Uh, uh, also developed uh, risk management uh, department. I think, uh, for example, if you look at uh, health and safety industry, there are also uh, kind of uh, health and safety uh, separate, uh, probably, um, division of risk management. And they have to, they have all their own, uh, their own uh, kind of regulators. Also, if you look at uh, industry and uh, now uh, with climate change, is all uh, related also with this uh, compliance. So, uh, although risk and compliance uh, are very often different uh, different uh, disciplines, uh, they are sometimes kind of uh, glued together to have a kind of a based uh, basic uh, kind of uh, risk management or compliance department in some uh, some topics. So, they, uh, for example, if a new uh, uh, rules and compliance procedure uh, arise from uh, from regulation they have to pick up and develop a uh, response yeah I, i'm also just thinking like so i work boris in privacy right and so anytime you have like regulators or when decisions get made right now it's like okay how does that impact everything else that's being built right or that has been built already right and what is the risk there associated with some of those um I guess the one question I had for you, Boris, is so I understand like there's people who go thinking about the risks. Can you talk a little bit about like why should people even care about these risks? <laughs> right? Like what are what's the outcome if they ignore these risks or if they didn't have a risk manager or something like that? Yeah, it depends. Of course, if you're a small business, uh you don't have to have a specific uh, risk management role uh, in your company, but at least you have to manage your risks yourself. For example, maybe you have a kind of small uh, understanding of what your risks are. Maybe you have an account and accountant, and he will or she will talk to you about risk of your business, and it will be enough. For example, you know you have a. Uh, pay uh, you have credit uh, because you you have invoices probably uh, you have some uh, days uh, from your invoices and probably it will be about maybe one month and some big companies they don't even pay with, uh, after three months so it's a kind of shame and some people have to to manage their invoices and probably liquidity so they don't cannot uh, can pay to uh, kind of payroll because the invoices don't yeah. come in time on time right that was one thing I remember as a small company. I, I often yeah. did business with very large companies and yeah. we were doing, you know, we would be sending an invoice and we're mm -hmm. doing it. We were putting on events and event when mm -hmm. you put on events, it's very costly. And so we wanted as much as possible for the customers to pay up front. And many of them would, and our contract would specify that they're supposed to, but those bigger companies, they're like, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. And what are you going to do? Do you want our money? Yeah. You want our Do you want our money in ninety days, or do you want no money? Right? And you have you have no power to, uh, you know. I remember like I remember one time when I I showed them our our MSA, right, our Master Services Agreement. This one vendor, and they're like, "That's cute. 
here's ours sign it or you know walk yeah, yeah like, exactly. oh okay well i guess we're signing their msa right and they're like we do a net 180 right you know so. uh, well yeah <laughs> <laughs> i know these companies but now i think uh, regulators in europe at least they kind of demand uh, demand that uh, these days uh, uh, payment days will be uh, less i think it's now a standard uh, 30 days in in, in europe uh, so uh, kind of small guys also have more uh, power now because yeah it's one yeah. of the biggest risks if you do an event like this and you you have to pay from your pocket and you have a liquidity issue you don't you not able to pay your stuff to wait for yeah. a half a year i remember sitting there often sitting there with over a hundred thousand dollars in receivables and very oh. little in the bank meanwhile i need to make payroll right yeah um exactly. I, i'll tell you i did we had we did have a clause in our contract um, and it's a, um, it's a company that persona that you and I both know, obviously I'm not going to shame them on the podcast, but they were, they were a company that, that I worked with. Uh, and what it was, was I had a clause in a contract that said after 30 days, we start adding, it was like 1% to the invoice. Hmm. Um, that it was like, it was like, it was either 1% or half a percent per day to wow. the invoice after, after a certain period of time, it might've been 60 days. Right. And there was this one customer I had that, um, they were blowing me off and, um, I, uh, I kept, I kept sending them updated invoices. I'm like, your invoice is now a hundred percent more, you know, because of compounded penalties. And wow. at some point it got to actually 150% of the original value, you know, or 250%, if you will, of the original value of the invoice. And they were blowing me off and then they got acquired or they were going to get acquired wow. by a company. And I was like, Oh, this is like, if I don't, I got to do it now. Right. If I don't fix it now. And I, um, I went and I went to, uh, there used to be this company called uh, Jigsaw. The, then it got acquired by Salesforce. It was like where you could go and you could just easily get the, you know, some key names from company. And I went and I got the CEO, the CFO, the chairman of the board, and I got all their contact information. And then I sent them registered letters and emails and, and everything. And I basically said, I have a contract with your name on it. And you have not contested the contract. You now owe me. I mean, it went from like $18,000 to $40,000. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and you're about to be acquired. And I have this, this is a, this is a lien against your company essentially. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. amazingly, I got a FedEx the next day with a check, <laughs> oh. with a check for $40,000. <laughs> nice, nice. That was, no, you don't have to pay the lawyers. <laughs> yeah, that was a good, that was a good day. Um, so uh, th- there was something else that you and I talked about in the pre-call. You mentioned this thing you have called the, the, um, darn it. What did you call it? The- uh, we, we have, we have, a, we, we, as a, a global risk community, we often create kind of, uh, products, uh, kind of emanating from our community. Right. So we created a, a GRC business continuity toolkit, uh, which uh, right. you probably you're interested, your users can find on our site at globalriskacademy.com. 
So yeah, so this is. I, uh, I am yeah. really curious when we talk about. I always talk about data protection and backup and DR, and I always mention that that is a component of business continuance overall. So I am curious from your vantage point, besides the idea of recovering your computing environment, what else does somebody need to have in a business continuance plan? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I will tell you that uh, our toolkit contains uh, various um, uh, kind of documents. For example, we have business impact analysis questionnaire. So you will have to go through all your inventories and do some work. Then you have a BCP template, which is a business continuity plan template. So you will have to, to work through all these uh, processes and uh, figure out what is uh, important, what is less important. Then we have business continuity uh, recovery uh, questionnaire. And then we have a business uh, uh, procedures like uh, in business risk analysis template. So it's all very documented based on the best practices in banks and the very sophisticated institution. So we have also crisis management plan. Actually, when we spoke about with you with small companies, I think it's, this plan should be available for even for small companies. So also sample, sample vulnerabilities chart with all these um, uh, appliances and uh, mm, uh, big uh, machinery that you have sh should be there. So it's kind of a complete uh, scoring methodology that will help uh, even uh, people who are not um, familiar with this uh, 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 discipline. They can download it and they can uh, just uh, start from scratch uh, filling it. Uh, and also it's, it has some glossary. So for terms, people who don't know anything can uh, can uh, see see what what is the important stuff. So I, also I, technology recovery plan there. So this is all <laughs> all what you have. I, I'm thinking this is super helpful for people who aren't aware, right, of what risk is and what questions should they be even trying to find the answers for, because they may not be. It's like when you're like. Your insurance carrier says, oh, how much insurance do you want? You're like, I don't know how much insurance I need. What are the questions I should be asking, right, to figure that out? And it looks like this toolkit sort of helps you go through and answer those questions and figure out, okay, where do I potentially have risks? And, oh, I may not have thought about crisis management. Like, Curtis, for when you had your small company, did you have a plan in place in case someone got sick or... Uh, their flight got missed like when you're going to an event right uh, yeah <laughs> flight got yeah flight got missed but but like i i was the main speaker at these events that we put on there was no plan for curtis gets sick right <laughs> curtis, gets, curtis gets covid and there's no speaker yeah um the we, we had we had all kinds of uh travel issues over the over the years right because we were often it was Monday morning was always a difficult because we do a we do an event on Tuesday. We do an event on Thursday. We would fly, you know, so we're flying on the very first flight on a Monday morning. Again, managing risk. The risk was that the flight you're on is delayed and or canceled. And so you might want to fly in the afternoon. But if that flight is delayed, you're not making it to the city. So 
we would fly out on the first available flight, even if that was mm -hmm. six in the morning, and we would fly to, to, to wherever we were going. That was the biggest risk was that the entire, because we're all in, we all lived in San Diego. We were all in the same flight. Oh. If that flight was delayed, <laughs> there was no event happening, right? Um, there was no backup team. There was no, there was no nothing. And, um, and I, I remember, um, uh, probably the worst thing that happened to us while we were traveling, we landed in, um, Houston. Yeah. I'm talking to you, mm -hmm. Houston. I will <laughs> never forget this. I landed, we landed in Houston and we went to go to dinner and we weren't, um, we weren't, uh, paying attention and we had our backpacks in the back seat and we went to dinner and they broke in and they stole all our backpacks. So they stole oh. all three laptops, all three iPads. Wow. So we had to do the event. Like we had, everything was in like Google docs and whatnot, but we had no laptops to get to Google docs. <laughs> like we, we were doing, we were doing stuff on phones and stuff like that. Um, but the, yeah, that was, I think that's the worst thing that happened to it. That one. And the time when I went to go, it was the morning before we're, you know, we're getting ready to travel. And we had these two cases of equipment that we always traveled with. And, um, uh, I won't say who, but she might be the singer on the theme song of this podcast. <laughs> who left the garage door open with my equipment in the garage and someone stole all my equipment. And I, I found that out the day before the show. So no, we never had a backup plan. Um, <laughs> you know, the backup plan was we don't have an event, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, that's just, that's just the way. So curious, this, this, uh, this toolkit that you're talking about, is this, do they pay for this resource? Is this a free resource? How, how does that work? No, it's it's actually paid resource. Uh, they can find it on Global Risk Academy site. It's uh, okay. yeah, it's one one seven nine dollars uh, US dollars. But uh, mm -hmm. I think if you if they wanted to have some um, initial uh, uh, free resources, we have a lot of them on our site. That uh, also at Global Risk Academy as a course site and on Global Risk uh, GlobalRiskCommunity.com as a kind of blog, event site, a uh, whole of community. So it's globalriskacademy.com. Global Risk Academy is a kind of course site, uh, online courses for our community. People but, but just, normally- Just to make sure, it's, it's globalriskacademy.com. Yeah, globalriskacademy.com. Okay. Right. okay. Yeah. So if people wanted to just learn more about risk management, they could probably go to the Global Risk Community website right to read yeah, the blogs yeah. understand more yeah. about it yeah they can go they can read it free even they if they don't want to be a member but if they become if they become member it's free and then you will they will get uh, uh, one once per week a newsletter which we they can also unsubscribe if they don't want to have a lot of uh, mm. emails in their box. <laughs> but uh, in in main, main, mainly this is uh, because important that they ha they can um, read the blogs, they can participate in a lot of events we, we and our partners uh, produce, and also read some uh, partnership um, posts. For example, guys. Uh, produce some research uh, and some uh, uh, kind of benchmark reports. So this is all we deliver uh, on our platform. 
I was just curious. I know, Boris, you talked about sort of climate risk. Is that something that's new and like an up and coming research area or risk area that people have to now start considering? Yeah, I think for big companies and now with all this ESG, uh, you know, ESG, what do you call it? Environment. Um, the environment sustainability. Oh, goals, sustainability right? and uh, governance, you know, I think, or something like this. Uh, because it's now uh, on uh, governor, government level all over the world, they decide the kind of uh, CO2 uh, emission plans to uh, stop, try to stop uh, climate uh, change. And uh, it uh, have a lot of uh, consequences on the level of companies, for example, in, uh, in oil and gas and uh, mining companies, because they use a lot of resources and they have to, for example, now in Europe, I think we are on the uh, uh, very wrong uh, side of this ISG because a lot of uh, uh, very wise uh, a very wise uh, uh, policy politics uh, uh, policy people in, for example, Germany. They decided to get rid of all this oil gas, and it's such a, a warm company as a, a warm country as uh, Germany. They decided to rely on sun and uh, wind, uh, <laughs> and uh, also on the Russian on the Russian gas. And of course, in this uh, climate, they now they don't have a Russian uh, energy. And the sun, uh, sunny weather is also doesn't help. Uh, so now we help. Uh, we have a lot of uh, issues uh, with uh, SG because people uh, stopped uh, uh, in, uh, in investing in oil and gas. But this all kind of uh, not SG to blame, but uh, kind of uh, mind of this polity, politics. This politics uh, uh, intervene in the business, mm -hmm. and uh, also it kind of. Um, um, prevents uh, a good development and and of course it's a kind of social movement you know all this greenwashing uh, it's kind of on television people uh, doing a lot of demonstration and uh, pol politicians starting to kind of take action and because of this uh, we have such a big problems but ESG itself is a good idea but uh, it uh, produces uh, many uh, results that are not uh, kind of uh, uh, <laughs> beneficial for for all uh, people yeah yeah i think that's you know anytime you have a big social movement like that uh like in this case in environmental science we have the same problem in, in cloud right so people mm -hmm. are people are moving to the cloud and you get a lot of cloud washing you get a lot of people are like mm -hmm. oh we're cloud we're good you know it's like yeah you're not really cloud Right. Um, and, um, you know, we, we did a couple of episodes. I don't know if you, you being where you're at, did, did you remember that, that the story about the OVH cloud, uh, the giant fire that was there a couple of years in ago? France, I think in France, mm, they're a cloud know. company that hosted data centers in containers, cargo containers. Yeah. Or and there be? was yeah, a yeah, giant fire that, that, took out a couple of data centers and a lot of customers actually lost data, even though they had paid mm -hmm. for the backup system mm -hmm. um, that I'm surprised that it 
that it hasn't made it over your way. But then again, you don't focus on DR and stuff. But that mm. that popped that popped on my radar pretty pretty quick. Um, any final thoughts that you have, uh, Boris? Uh, that you know things that you would have wanted to talk about. Yeah, I think uh, with you guys, I think we have a lot of. Uh, in common because you also manage in risk and I, it's of course it's kind of uh, one of the uh, many uh, facets of risk. Uh, mm -hmm. Probably it's uh, in a, a IT domain. I'm not sure it's only, but maybe organizational domain. So I think uh, if people have some more uh, questions and uh, uh, about uh, risk management, also in ab about this business continuity toolkit, they can go to our site uh, and check it out. Uh, it's available, and uh, I'm uh, always uh, open for questions in blog and discussions uh, and events. So uh, also some people who want to join uh, our podcast uh, as you guys, uh, you uh, Curtis joined. Uh, welcome to discuss this uh, important uh, topic of business continuity and. Uh, Disaster recovery. We are happy to to provide uh, your view to uh, to our audience. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Prasanna, great with your questions as well. <laughs> no, thank you, Curtis. Good luck with the floor. And Boris, it was nice chatting with you. Thank you. And, uh, it was great to hear. And I thank I thank you to our uh, listeners. Make sure to subscribe so that you can restore it all. Good.